Hello and welcome to season two of Inforum's Meet Her podcast. My name is Terry Barclay, and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Her, Her podcast series introduces listeners to women of accomplishment whose experiences and insights feed us all on our leadership journeys. And I am just thrilled beyond belief that I'm able to get some of her time because joining me today is Kristen Tabar, Group Vice President, Toyota North America. Welcome, Kristen, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Terry. It's great to be here. Well, I know we were talking before we went live and we've got a lot of juicy topics to cover. So let's let's get right to it. What are the challenges and opportunities that companies face in being intentional about gender and racial diversity? Well, that's a terrific question. Um, it is both challenging and has a lot of opportunities. For me, you know, one of the key points is that we really need diverse talent to be successful. Um, our products and businesses, especially in the automotive space, are just changing so much. And we really need those new ideas and perspectives to be successful. Additionally, our customers are really changing and we have to capture those different expectations from them. And in order to do so, we really need to be intentional when we think about the teams we're putting together and the leaders that we're assigning to those projects. Um, to me, problems and solutions really can't come from just one area or a silo. We really need that cross-functional approach and that diversity of thought. So some of the challenges um, to achieve that are really around talent. Um, honestly, we, we've got to make a real change in a lot of the technical fields and encourage that pipeline. Um, we've got to expand beyond just maybe encouraging or talking or speaking to students um, and really try to affect the curriculum, the coaching, the counseling, the tutoring, and sort of mentoring these students along from a very early stage to get them and keep them interested in our, our products and technologies and in industry. I think some of the opportunities we have is to build on some of that mobility shift that you know a lot of the automotive companies are experiencing. We're introducing so many new products. It's exciting, all the electrification and the technology. And I think we can build on that to encourage even more members to take a look at us, um, even from, again, a very young age. Get them excited again about some of our products and content and show how we're really using those products and content to evolve and develop, even though um, you know, they may have some notion of automotive, it, it really is changing not only what we're delivering, but how we're doing it. You know, I, what you were saying, Kristen, reminded me of a survey that um, was done a few years ago, and it asked young people, what do you want? You know, what are you into? What do you want in your ideal job? And their answers were things like, I want to be working with cutting edge technology. I want to have global opportunities for my career. And I want to work in a teamwork, uh, you know, a team setting. And all I could think of was, you just described the automotive industry. <laughs> You're exactly right. And I think another common answer to that is, you know, I want to make a difference in my community or my, you know, my environment. That, 
exactly what you said. This is, this is the place for you because there's almost no place else that you can have an idea, no matter how small or how big. And, and honestly, in a relatively short period of time, see that come to fruition mm-hmm. and be applied to something that has 17 million ish units a year. <laughs> and it's used every single day for by by almost everyone. And so it, it's really a, an amazing opportunity to really see your idea come to life. Oh, yeah, that's oh, my gosh, that's so true. That's so true. So so you need diverse talent to do that. And, you know, the the theory, I mean, I think everybody gets the concept of why diversity matters, but it really comes down to that basic day-to-day stuff, right? So so what can leaders do on a day-to-day basis to really encourage and facilitate diversity, equity, and inclusion? It's that's a great point. Um, certainly you can you can talk the talk, but you've got to walk the walk. So, um, you know, I think it, it does begin with having, um, you know, role modeling and making sure that you're, you're creating the environment that you expect. Um, you know, we have a lot of different programs. I think some of them are just outstanding um, around allyship. Mm. Um, this allows our members to connect with uh, diverse groups uh, both inside and outside the company, and really um, builds that teamwork and culture that we expect. It builds empathy and understanding and um, helps everyone see things from a, maybe a little different perspective than what they, they're they used to. We also have a great um, initiative around being in what we call an upstander. This Ooh. is sort of an in the space of, um, you know, changing your posture or perspective from observing and maybe kind of walking away when something even makes you uncomfortable and really standing up for um, that situation and, and calling out the behavior that is good and should be repeated and the behavior that maybe is not so good and helping others understand how that could make someone feel uncomfortable, how that's not appropriate in the workplace. So it's that positive reinforcement and not, not shying away from really, um, again, practicing that allyship for our, you know, our diverse populations. I think it allows us to really, um, you know, be engaged and again create that culture that we really want to see in our in our teams and our daily work. Interesting. I I love that uh, idea. I hadn't heard about it before. Thank you for for sharing that. What a great um, way of framing it. And you know, and and it kind of leads to our next question a little bit, which is about defining success. You know, it sounds like both of those efforts really are in large part an effort to create, you know, what does success look like? So, so how do you, how do you go about, I mean, you're such a, oh my gosh, Christian, you've got such a fabulous reputation. I know your team and everyone within the company really, uh, really enjoys your leadership. So how do you define success and communicate what that looks like to your team? 
Yeah, it it's um, you know, for me it's a it's an evolution. Um, you know, of course, as a company, we have our vision and strategy around delighting our customers and you know contributing to our community and you know being good corporate corporate partners and corporate citizens. Um, and, and certainly all of those are, are absolutely essential to our business and building the right culture. But from a success point of view, um, you know, a little more personally for me, it's about always feeling like there's opportunity to learn and grow and contribute. This is kind of what, you know, makes me excited to get up in the morning and come to work every day. And, and it's that, it's that anticipation of something new is always on the horizon and I can always, you know, kind of latch on to those things. And that's the, the sort of enthusiasm that I want, you know, my teams to have as well. I think I communicate that by trying to, you know, build that into our culture, um, trying to encourage or inspire people to be innovative, think about areas and spaces of our business or even our company that they don't know much about and encouraging them to explore in that area. I think it's asking about um, and talking regularly about those kind of things. Well, how have you connected with this group? And are you thinking about this? Oh, there's something over here. Why don't you go check that out? You know, I think it's publicly recognizing members that um, take on those kind of challenges or that kind of mindset and really um, push themselves. And of course, through that activity, they're always contributing to the company. So it's, it's modeling the behavior, it's encouraging the behavior, it's talking about it, and it's building enthusiasm and excitement around that kind of learning and growing scenario. I, oh my gosh, I just love that because so often, I think the messages that people sometimes get from their leaders are about <clears throat> playing it safe. You know, it's like, don't, don't make mistakes and but in, but you're encouraging learning and by definition there's risk involved in that right 100 <laughs> yep and especially i think right now you know i would say you're right um you know automotive in general certainly toyota in particular you know we're we're a very conservative company when it comes to our development style we 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 know what works well we're of course always trying to improve but um we don't change or take a lot of risks from that perspective, but that's changing. Mm. We're shifting to this broader portfolio, this mobility um, strategy. And with that, it's bringing, you know, a lot of success, but a lot of things that aren't working. And so we're learning and growing as a company as well. And so it's just a really vibrant, you know, kind mm -hmm. of feeling around the office. People are really excited. They're trying things and, um, you know, making partnerships and looking at different, different ways to solve problems that they never have before. So it, it's a really energetic environment right now. Uh, so let's talk about that energetic environment, because I think it involves quite a lot of change. And certainly, just as an outsider to the industry looking in, Gosh, talk about a rapid pace of change within organizations and the industry as a whole. So, so how does that affect your leadership style? Could you maybe share a story about a time when you had to either adapt to or implement real change? 
Absolutely. Um, you're 100% correct. Um, if you're not comfortable with change, um, you're going to get comfortable with change <laughs> in the near term because the only thing that is uh, that is stable is that everything's changing. Um, it, it's just a completely different um, business than it was even five years ago, certainly 10 or 15 or 20 years ago when I, you know, started at the company or in the industry. So it, it's, it's a, uh, it, when we first came, you know, as I said before, very, uh, repeatable, very, uh, standard, you know, very, uh, conservative approach because the industry was relatively mature. But when you start introducing so much new products, um, you know, the electrification, the connectivity, all of the different business model, everything about it is changing um, right down to the actual product itself. And so the, you've got to change the way you do the development. You've got to be much more comfortable with, as you said, taking risks or changing the style and pace of your decisions and how do you communicate and how do you um, make sure that your members have the right skills to take on these new types of development and new products and services. It, it's, it's everything is sort of um, rapidly spiraling up. And so you, you definitely have to be comfortable in that space. And I think if you're not as a leader, um, it's, it's not all is lost. I think you can surround yourself with a great team that is really comfortable making, you know, working in that environment. And then, um, you know, still together, um, the business is driving in that direction. And so together you can, you know, you can move forward and be successful, but certainly having that comfort level is, I, I feel like a, a big advantage. Um, I'd say a good example for me, um, and this happened relatively recently, um, I, I was on assignment actually at our headquarters for a couple of years, um, the, the couple of years just preceding the COVID shutdown. And, um, and I was on assignment in our quality organization. And so for me, this was a, a really different assignment. You know, I, I hadn't worked in that part of the operations and so, um, of course, being on the development side or the engineering side for the bulk of my career, I understood very well our dedication and kind of foundation around reliability, durability, kind of those traditional quality um, uh, KPIs and so forth. Um, but what we were finding and what we were faced with is as we make some of these changes to our products and we introduce more and more technology and we start down this path of connected and electrification and shit, you know, all these different new things. Um, what, what customers of course foundationally expect is our traditional quality. No doubt about it. We can't sacrifice that at all. But what we were hearing more and more was, Hmm, that's interesting, but it really doesn't work the way I, I expected, or I don't really like how that looks, or that that sequence doesn't really make sense to me. And why is that button over here? And why why when I hit that doesn't that you know it was that whole experience and um, that that uh, I'll say a little bit more um, I guess expectation of how things should work as opposed to 
it's broken or, you know, it doesn't look right or it's scratched or you know, whatever that is. So um, I was sort of tasked, um, and of course this is still ongoing, but tasked with how do we bring that into our quality uh, domain? How do we um, insert that expectation and experience of quality into our processes, how we assess things, how we evaluate how our KPI, everything. Um, so this was a huge challenge for me, really different thinking. You know, we, we're used to sort of perfecting and you know, making these um, incremental improvements, our Kaizen process to our development style or evaluation techniques and so on. And so this was a huge challenge for me to try and implement um, how do we actually go about gathering, um, quantifying, judging these type of experience um, aspects of our pro new products? And so, again, we, we went through that whole activity. And, uh, of course, it's still ongoing and will continue to be as we evolve and grow our product line. But uh, really, really challenging to, to think differently and think from that um, I'll say not so comfortable space. So you've got to, again, be comfortable with that change. Sure. Wow. Wow. I can, you did a great job describing that. I, I, uh, because even I, who don't work in the industry, understand It's <laughs> really great. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Big, big challenge there. It so, is. It's, so, it's. Yeah. No, it just, just amazing. So, one of the things I'm curious about, here you are, group vice president, big title, but I think anybody who has one of those titles know, knows that you still need to build influence inside the workplace, not only with your own team, but with your colleagues and your peers and your bosses, right? So how do you go about building influence inside the workplace? And when do you know you've accomplished that? That's a terrific question. Um, it, it is quite, quite different. Um, you know, influence is a lot of different things. Um, certainly, you know, functionally versus how do you help the company? How do you help your team? How do you have influence? Um, all of these things, though, for me, um, sort of start with something that I, I wish I would have heard a lot earlier and would have paid attention to a lot earlier. Networking, networking, uh, networking. Um, and I know, Terry, for you, you, yeah. you talk a lot about this, um, and I could not agree more. You have to know the people around you. You have to understand their roles in the organization or whatever organization they're in. You have to understand so that you can think about opportunities to number two, collaborate. Uh -huh. The collaboration, sharing ideas, sharing know-how, understanding how your teams can benefit each other, solving problems together. Those all build um, influence through credibility, through um, trust, and it's about delivering on those kind of things. When we have a you know a network or a partnership or um, a relationship with someone at the you know that's the people you're going to reach out to when you need help. That's the people that you're going to collaborate with when your team needs support from that 
you know, that kind of area. Or if it's something completely brand new, people you can rely on to work together with your team or you and achieve something even more. So it it's about having that knowledge and delivering on those partnerships or relationships that really, I think, builds that influence. Mm-hmm. It, it really makes you um, valuable to the organization. And it, it makes you then be sought after when problems come up, even if they're not in your area, if you build that reputation for being able to pull the right people together or that, you know, she'll know somebody who can get that done. She'll have somebody who can uh, work on that project. She'll have somebody who has experience in that area. It, it's about being that resource. And that's when the influence can really, really come through. Oh my gosh. There's so many things I love about your answer to the question. And, and one of them is, you know, when, when we meet with, with younger professionals, you know, who are just beginning in their career, it's not always evident at the beginning why, about why it's important to build your network. Um, It seems like, gosh, I'm busy. I'm working as hard as I can. I'm, you know, trying to manage my way through. I don't have time for that. That's kind of like a nice, but not necessary. And if, if I've often wished I could wave a magic wand and get people to see what you just said. I'm exactly. power in those networks. Yes, 100% agree. And I think it's, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I think it does, um, it is influenced. Um, some of our younger members, you know, they don't see an immediate, something immediately doesn't happen after networking. Right. You know, it takes some time to build that relationship. It takes time to find a project to work on together. It takes time to then parlay that into further relationships and further collaboration and further influence. So, um, you know, that lack of immediate feedback mm-hmm. can sometimes be discouraging. So the best advice I can say is dedicate time to networking and understand that it is going to reap rewards, maybe not right after the meeting, but it will reap rewards throughout your career. And that's even if you change companies and I reach back to companies that are people that I've worked with that, you know, maybe are no longer at the company or have worked at another, you know, partner that now they work somewhere else. It's amazing how often um, that relationships will come back and support you later. The other thing I love about your answer is about the importance of really getting to know people. You know, I think that is so important to the diversity and inclusion issue because you, it, 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 you're no longer making sort of snap judgments about who's right, who's, who's the best talent for a, a high profile assignment based on things that may not be good markers for that, you know, um, you, you, you're making those decisions based on what you have learned and know about them. You're totally right. And I, I will tell you, um, sometimes the most surprising things come from those discussions, right? You know, you never knew that that person had this really amazing assignment where they had to do X, Y, Z and it's not their main role. It's not something you would have thought they knew about or had experience in, 
but at some point, boy, I need somebody who knows X, Y, Z. And now you know somebody. So it, the depth of those discussions is really critical. You're right. Yeah. Interesting. Very, really interesting. So one last question in this section, do you have a favorite quote you you'd like to share? And can you tell us why that matters? You know, I do. I, and I've had this for such a long time. It, it fits a lot of different uh, scenarios, both the personal and professional. So um, it is from Walt Disney. Oh, it is. Uh, if you can dream it, you can do it. And so um, our family is actually a huge Disney fan. Um, and I have this phrase plastered all over our house in different places. Um, you know, personally, I think it's just such a, a great way to um, encourage our kids and our family, you know, the sky's the limit. You can do anything you want to do and don't let anything hold you back because if you can think about it and dream it, you can do it. You absolutely can do it. Um, and, you know, in the professional space, I find it to be very similar, um, especially again, now there's just such a great amount of uh, innovation going on and ideas coming from everywhere. It's just amazing for me to see the, the, the creativity and inspiration of our members. And I'm not just talking about our young members, these younger or newer members, these are members that have been at the company, you know, as long as me and are, are just rejuvenated by this. Hey, let's think about this mobility. What could that be? Oh, what about this? What about, you know, and so it's always these, well, I've got this great idea, but I don't. And I'm like, I don't want to hear the butt part. I mean, you're the great idea, you know, it, because once you can say it and somebody sort of says, oh, that is a really good idea. Then it's just off to the races for me. So I love that, that whole um, feeling from that quote about inspiration and innovation. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I think you're the first person who's shared a Disney quote. That's fabulous. Oh, really? Oh, wow. There you go. It's, he was he was a genius for yeah, sure. Absolutely true. Oh my gosh. So Kristen, before you go, can you share another story with us about how you used, or maybe even a time when you wish you'd used a key leadership competency and why that mattered? Absolutely. Um, I think uh, I'll talk a little bit about self-management. Um, you know, I think being a woman in, uh, in the industry, you know, sometimes there's a tendency for others to think we're, we're a little bit emotional or, um, you know, a little bit uh, excessively emotional. I'll say it that way. Um, and, and honestly, I find that, you know, emotion is actually one of our, I think, strengths. And so um, I'll, I'll share a story about um, a situation where there was a lot of emotion from my side. Um, this was probably about 10, 10-ish years ago. Um, and for those of you who were in the industry at that time may remember, uh, Toyota went through a rather large uh, recall. Activity. Oh my, yes. yes. Yep. And so um, there, there was definitely a lot of emotion at that time, um, you know, both from our, of course, our customers were very emotional. Um, 
scared, worried, frustrated, you know, every, everything in the book. Um, there was a lot of emotion from the government, a lot of uh, emotion from the media. And of course, um, from our internal members, our, our employees, lots of emotion. You know, we were really disappointed that this was happening. Of course, we had a couple of product issues um, that we dealt with um, through recalls for the floor mats and pedals. Um, but there was just all this um, speculation and accusation publicly about the um, integrity of our our work. Mm -hmm. And so from design side, uh, I was in design at the time, uh, from design side, you know, we, we took that really hard. Um, that was a really tough thing for us. You know, we, we really felt that we had very high levels of integrity for our um, processes. We had such strong rigor and structure around our development. Um, and the, the, comments that were swirling around us for, you know, many, many weeks were that we were hiding things or, you know, knowingly letting poor, poor parts quality out or, mm. or ignoring our customer safety and things like this. So again, from my, from my perspective, every emotion imaginable, um, very frustrated, everyone's on edge, everybody's worried about our customers, everybody's worried about what's happening, defensive when, you know, uh, we hear things on television mm -hmm. or neighbors talking or somebody in the parking lot sees us get out of a Toyota. It, it, I mean, it was just a crazy, crazy time. And so um, for me, uh, that experience was, uh, again, very emotional. Um, I was asked to take on a role at that time to, to try and help uh, the company explain to the customers, you know, what, what was really going on uh, from a kind of technical perspective um, and lead to some of the technical investigations that uh, eventually uh, helped us understand what was really the issues and what really weren't the issues. Um, and then, of course, explain those to the authorities and government media that were um, talking through that. So um, emotional in that case um, sort of had to be rechanneled into um, how do we how do we explain that complicated situation with, um, again, that kind of credibility and integrity that is obviously there, knowing the facts that we know and trying to help people understand the real situation and not get into this sort of panic or frenzy. Um, and so it was how to convert that frustration, concern, um, and defensive stance into a more positive, um, supportive, and again, uh, trying to work through that issue with, um, of course, within the company, but primarily externally with our customers. Um, it, it meant having very um, clear, simple, honest language, explaining um, over and over and over and over again, if necessary, no, no problem. Um, you know, what, what was happening, what wasn't happening and why they should not feel unsafe about the product. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
that that really eventually, of course, we recovered the situation um, and spent quite a bit of time uh, rebuilding our customer confidence and internally sort of harnessing a lot of that frustration and um, just worry to being positive. How do we how do we regain understanding of what the customer is really experiencing? How do we channel that back into our processes? How do we build again excitement from you know maybe scared feelings? Yes, sure. And so um, it, I think being able to be in touch with those emotions much more. You know, I I was a mom. I had kids. I was driving back and forth in those. I had absolutely. Um, a different perspective than, you know, my neighbor who is driving the same vehicle, putting her children in the car, um, you know, who didn't want to turn the car on, you know, was scared of that. And so it was how to, how to really have empathy for those customer experiences and take those emotions and try to try to build back some of that confidence in the product and the brand. Mm-hmm. What a, what a lesson. Um, yeah. I bet you've been able to apply some of that during the pandemic. <laughs> you it, know? It, it is. It's much, it's very similar. Um, you know, the pandemic also same kind of case, you've got so much hysteria and so many unknown things. And that just leads to this wild speculation. Right. And I think again, stepping back and trying to go back to what, what are the facts? What are we facing? You know, how do we work through this? How do we build data and understanding? And again, using empathy to really um, help those around you work through those same emotions. I think it's one of the advantages women have in those scenarios when it's a high tension, high anxiety or high emotional situation. Ooh, I love it. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's a that's a great story and and there you go i mean you know that's a, i agree <laughs> <Let's> just, <laughs> well Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your 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 wisdom you're very welcome thank you so much terry i really appreciate the opportunity to have a good chat with you and uh again thanks for inviting me well that wraps up our podcast Please come back to informmichigan.org for more opportunities to meet her. And while you're there, check out season one, as well as Meet Him, a podcast in which male leaders share what they've learned about the importance of diverse leadership. And don't forget to check out our growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and our calendar of virtual events. Thanks for joining us today.